Hi, I'm Cheryl Sitz, and today we're going to explore our connection to the animal kingdom, everything from our pets to wild animals, with the lovely Rafael Tamora. Welcome to another episode of Exploring Possibilities. We broadcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, my website, journeyofpossibilities.com, and the best of the best are on youtube.com slash Cheryl Sitz. All of these shows are designed to help you explore holistic, spiritual ways that we can transform life from the inside out for ourselves and for our planet. We'll talk with Raphael right after this. You know, Mario and I put in a lot of time and energy into this show, a lot more than it might seem like to the casual listener week after week. And we really count on you to help us keep this going. In South America, there's a beautiful Quechua term called Aine, and it represents a reciprocity of energy. They don't just focus on money and sell things at a fixed price. I do for you and you do for me based on our ability. So whatever you're able to give us, whether it's a dollar, five dollars, fifty dollars, a monthly contribution would be great. Whatever you can do to help us keep this show going, we welcome your contributions at journeyofpossibilities.com slash support. This show and journeyofpossibilities.com are the brilliant creations of Mario Rosales of Tech Life Balance. I don't know what I'd do without his technology expertise. And he can do a lot to help you too, whether you want to create a new presence for yourself online or expand what you're offering. Tell us about it, Mario. What can you do for them? Thank you, Cheryl. You know, one of the things that I've learned, it's this industry of the holistic spiritual field is very different than all other fields I've ever worked with. The holistic spiritual field is much more heart-centered, which is something that I actually learned even going through my own journey of this. And as I started developing my own sites more in a heart-centered approach with helping you with Journey of Possibilities, man, it it took me to a whole nother level. You know what? Having learned that, I can share that knowledge and work with other people out there. And all they have to do is reach out to me and I can give them a very individual way of connecting with their people because you know i learned how to do it and i'm learning with with your website every day so reach me at marirosales.net or techlifebalance.net and let me know what you would like help on who are you why are you here what wonders and opportunities await you beyond physical death what happened millennia ago to create the damaged earth and fractured societies you see around you empowering enlightening, internationally acclaimed, the Joseph Communications books offer answers to these questions. Spiritual, concise, contemporary, non-denominational, the communications originate from Joseph, a highly evolved discarnate spirit concerned for you and the future of the planet and its peoples. The words of Joseph and his soul group give you the power to bring light and change into your own life and the lives of others and to restore the earth. Available in paperback, ebook, and audiobook formats, the communications can be ordered today at www.thejosephcommunications.com and also from Amazon and other major booksellers. All proceeds are used for further publishing and advertising and to make the communications available worldwide. Rafael Tamora, renowned clairvoyant, spiritual healer and teacher, works one-on-one with clients and teaching groups through teleseminars and retreats. She and her husband, Michael, who you may recall we've already had on the show, so you can look for that show if you missed it. They run Seraphim at Mount Shasta. She is president and editor-in-chief of Michael Tamora's seminars and its publishing arm, Star of Peace Publishing. Rafael also communicates with domestic and wild animals. She's written a book about her beloved dog who's pictured with her on this podcast label that will be called Shanti's Lives the extraordinary story of animal reincarnation she shares how Shanti has returned to be her faithful companion three times in her present life before transitioning in April of 2017 but don't worry She's coming back again, and Mm -hmm. we'll hear about that, too. She and her husband have the same website, michaeltamora.com. Welcome, Raphael. Thank you, Cheryl. It's so great to be here. I'm so glad to connect with you, and such good timing, because you've had a lot going on. (laughs) Yes, we have. So catch us up a little bit. You've recently relocated from Mount Shasta, and that sounds like it's been quite an adventure. It has been because not only did we move our house, we moved our office. Our office assistant is now working out of her 
home office, but our phone number remains the same and our business remains the same. It was the biggest move of our lives. We had lived in our home for 15 years. So, Mm. you know, you acquire a lot of stuff and it was a big house on top of that. And we were moving to a smaller temporary uh, rental house for a while, but we're in Sacramento now. And we are so happy to be here and out of the snow (laughs) and closer to civilization and airports because it usually added a day or two of travel um, whenever we had to go somewhere. Yeah, that's actually been a big factor for me. I've thought about a couple of different times moving to different places, and there's no way I want to move further than I already am from Houston International Airport because it is nice to be able to come and go when we need to. It is. Well, I'd like to um, mention one thing in in the um, introduction. Thank you for the nice introduction. I really appreciate that. You're welcome. Um, My book isn't written yet. I am now working with an editorial person and getting it done. Um, But I want people to know I am actually actively working on this because a lot of the people who follow us know that I've been wanting to write this book since before Shanti was born. And after she had her... Uh, almost 15-year lifespan, so much more has happened. It's such an incredible story, and um, I'm trying to drum up some interest in people knowing that this book is coming out and um, watching our website for it so that when it is out, they can buy it. Um, It's a really amazing story. I'm writing it kind of like a fictional story because it's going to be written from her viewpoint, but it is a story that spans three of her lifetimes over my one lifetime. And in the second of those three lifetimes, she I actually had something happen, which is kind of incredible, that showed me where we actually came together as souls. Well, and let's, let's step back just, just a little bit. So have you always been open to communicating with animals the way that you do and hearing them and, and knowing their stories? Or has this been developed in you recently? Or how did that go? Well, that's a good question. Um, when I was getting my psychic training back in the early 1980s, um, where psychic training of the variety I got was actually available, um, I had actually heard my teachers say that you can't communicate with animals, that they didn't have souls, you know, typical kind of a Christian concept. Well, I, apparently I was mistaken in that I even heard that. And what happened is that I had this dog Um, the first incarnation of the three in this lifetime. Um, I named her Raya. And during the time of my training, actually before my training, before I even found the training institute place that I uh, went to, we had been in this very major car accident. It's quite a dramatic story that caused her to have, uh, within a day or two, she developed severe epilepsy. So it was a, a weird accident that um, I don't want to go into describing, but I will in the book. Um, But I got hit and I was driving a big uh, Chevy long van and she was sitting in uh, on the floor behind the driver's seat and I got hit there. And I didn't even realize she was injured until two days later when she started having some very strange phenomena happen with her body. And it turned into within a few days, major grand mal seizures. And she had this for quite a while. I, of course, took her to to the vet and got her on some very uh, difficult medicines, which they said was going to kill her in seven years because it's hard on the liver for a dog. It's the same kind of medicine they used to use for people. And so fast forward a few years, I'm in my training and learning about healing. And one day I was meditating in my living room and the dog came up to me and literally came into my head and said, I'm in trouble. And I looked and her eyes were starting to do that thing and she was starting to have a seizure. So I immediately got to work and practiced my healing tools on her in spite of the fact that I thought I had heard someone say, animals don't have souls and you can't heal them and that sort of thing. Well, I did give her a healing and she was I was able to mitigate the epileptic attack and she came out of it, and from that point on, we worked very, very closely whenever she was coming on with an epileptic attack, and it was so much easier, and she actually had a voice. It sounded like a young teenage girl, and it was so precious, and um, it was then that I realized 
you know, you can communicate with animals in this training center that I went to um, from time to time would call and ask if they could borrow the dog to give her, uh, to teach people how to give animals healings. And she was such a precious girl <laughs> that she was, she was great around crowds. And I remember one time they had her for a couple of hours and I went in to get her and she went around and gave everyone a little sweet lick on their hand because I taught her not to lick on the face. They, she licked each class member. There were about 25 of them on the hand. And then she came around to me and glared at me and sat down. <laughs> so I'm, some of my energy must have been in her space or something. But that was the beginning. And so I started experimenting over the years. Now, this was this happened before at least as far as I know, the term animal communication had not even been coined yet. Or the work of Penelope Smith, who is the grandmother of animal communication, hadn't come to me yet. So this was completely on my own. So I started experimenting with, you know, animals I ran across when I was taking my walks or a, like a cat that would come into the yard. And I found it worked. Now, I don't tout myself as an animal expert even today. I really like working with people and and especially, too, with people with their animals if that comes up as a question. But I love communicating with animals. And when we moved to Mount Shasta, we had wild animals. And that was something else because I'm a city girl. <laughs> we moved to Mount Shasta in 2003 and I was so relieved to be up in the country and, oh, we won't, I don't have to worry about being held up at gunpoint, blah, 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 because that's happened to me before in cities. And of course, the first, we had a dog at that time, Shanti, who was 10 months old when we moved there. And she was getting me up at five in the morning to go out for her walks. And I came to the realization, um, according to what people told me, that the mountain lions feed first thing in the morning and at dawn and dusk, basically. And that's when I was walking her both times. So I became fearful about um, about the wild animals because I didn't, it wasn't something I was ever exposed to in my life. So I'd stand at the front door before I went out and I'd go, Archangel Michael, protect me and, and keep the mountain lions away. And finally, after about the I don't know, 12th time I did that, Archangel Michael came in and said, all right, already, I heard you. I'll <laughs> let you know if a mountain lion is in the neighborhood. And he did just that when we finally had, well, the second time we had one in the neighborhood. The first time he didn't tell me. We were walking down the street and Shanti was putting on the brakes all the way down, trying to tell us, no, 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 I don't want to go down here. Yeah. And we actually came face to face with a mountain lion, a big one, full-sized male. And fortunately, it was the three of us and one of him. And he looked at the three of us. And I think he went, three of them, one of me, I'm leaving. Mm -hmm. So it was not a threat. But and in fact, it was kind of a letdown after all the worrying I was doing about, oh, I'm going to get attacked by a mountain lion. Well, you know, they don't, they're not really that interested in attacking you unless they're really hungry. So after that, there was another time when there were two sets of mountain lions in the neighborhood. And I found out at five in the morning when I was walking Shanti and a police officer stopped me and said, oh, ma'am, there are mountain lions in the neighborhood. And then he left. And I was about the furthest away spot in, <laughs> in my whole walk. And I'm like, thanks a lot. Uh -huh. So I had, I used my tools and, and released energy of fear because, you know, these wild animals, they can smell fear from a mile away. Mm -hmm. So I made it home and then I got two more visits from two different other police officers saying, stay in your house, ma'am. There's a mountain lion in the neighborhood. <laughs> so I, I figured it was Archangel Michael showing me what it felt like to be nagged. <laughs> <laughs> But after that, what I did was when we got ready to go out, I said hello out into nature where we walked because we lived in the woods. And so as I did that, if I felt a mountain lion in the area, I would send a hello to that mountain lion and I would say, we're coming out to walk. Could you please just stay away and stay out of my sight? And I would actually feel them pulling back. And the best part of this is that 
later on, somebody would tell me in that day, whether it was my gardener or one of our neighbors, oh, by the way, there was a mountain lion in the area and it was just right by your house. (laughs) (laughs) So I always got validated for the days that I knew that the mountain lions were there. So that's kind of the the quick progression of how this all worked for me as far as um, being able to communicate with animals. And for me, it's always an experiment each time. You mentioned with your dog that you had heard, that the dog had had a teenager's voice. So do you, when you communicate, are is it clear audience? Are they actually speaking to you or is it more of a knowing and a feeling? How does it work in your situation? Well, normally um, animals communicate heart to heart with other animals and with their humans. So a lot of times it's a it's a sort of a, a, a knowing through an, uh, an affinity channel, if you will. Now, if it's a stranger animal, like a, a passing cat coming through the yard or something like that, I'll send a hello, much more of a telepathic hello. Right. But with, with Raya, when she came to me that one time asking me for help, perhaps she had done that before and I, I wasn't hearing her. So somehow she was able to get through to me with this young girl's voice. Uh. And after that, it was more of a intuitive knowing, you know, she could be in another room. And if she was starting to have one of her epileptic attacks, I would know it before she even came out. It it became that good. And the cool thing with her is that um, over time, I was able to cut down on this horrible medicine she was taking and in the last two of two years of her life, she didn't have to take it at all. Wonderful. And instead of living only seven years, like the doc, the vet had predicted, she lived a full 14 and a half years. Oh, that's fabulous. That's yeah. fabulous. Well, I want to touch on the reincarnation piece, because as you and I kind of discussed off, off the show already a <laughs> little bit, your statement that you've had this same dog three times... It brought me back to my interview with Hans King and my following of his work, which I just love him. And we've, he has recently transitioned. I'm about to go to his celebration of life. So how timely that we connect. And he oh, said yes. our pets reincarnate over and over again. If that's the contract we have with them to be our animal companions throughout the life, that's what they will be. And when you said that, it's like, there it is. There's another spiritual leader in our time saying, yes, animals reincarnate, our pets reincarnate, not always, as I understand it. Like, I don't know that my cat's going to come back again and be an animal companion, but I know that he's still a spirit guide for me now. So that's interesting that you came along and said that about your dog and that your dog's coming back again. Yes. About five months before she passed over, I had a dream about her and it was what I call a white dream where when the dream kind of comes up as all white, you know, white light, white, everything, it says pay attention. And what I got to see is that she's going to change sexes. She's going to be male. And that um, another thing that happened was that um, it was a dog breed. I didn't know what kind it was, so I had to look it up and it turns out to be an old English sheepdog. And at the same time, a friend of mine had a dream about her who is a epic, epic dreamer. And um, it's a whole nother story that's going to go <laughs> in the book. But the end of my friend's dreams always end with a song. And that entire week before she called me, I was thinking about, well, if Shanti's going to come back as a boy, and I like to give my pets spiritual names, I wonder what kind of name he's going to want. And her dream ended with the song Danny Boy, mm-hmm. which is a song, it's an old Irish ballad, war tune actually, about a woman who's pining for her man who's gone off to war and she doesn't know if he's going to come back, which I thought was very symbolic. Yeah. Um, and so he wants a normal dog name, Danny Boy. <laughs> <laughs> but oh, that had spiritual signi- significance to me as well because of the meaning of the song. Yeah. Well, I know a lot of people are going through pets transitioning. I mean, you have, uh, it's been a a while now with this one, but you know, Loki just transitioned last year and it it was the, the marking of a huge shift in everything in my life when he left. So I think their timing is also interesting. What words do you have to help us if we're trying to get through those difficult separations? Well, first off, as you know, when, um, a person dies, 
they don't just go into oblivion. They have a place. The soul of that person has a place they go. And our pet animals are evolving a lot faster than their companions out there in the wild. And there is actually a very special place where the companion animals, the ones who work with humans, are going that are a little different than the wild animals. And that they don't, there's really no death. There's the death, of, there's the passing of the body. It's, it's like shedding an old coat. You know, and and for some reason, animals are not allowed to live as long as us. So they, if they are not finished with us, they will come back. And that's the coolest thing. They don't always come back. Now, if you've done such a great job with your animal that they fulfilled their entire purpose in learning with you, they may move on to something else and um, find a way to send a hello to you by coming into your dreams or... Or even like people do, leaving signs about themselves. Um, for me, Shanti and all of her other incarnations have always come into my dreams to say hello. So don't discount your dreams as that that they're not di- communication from your animal. They are. And that's one of the places that they're capable of reaching you in. And for some like you, Cheryl, that some of them, if you're not complete, completely done with Working with them, even from this lifetime, a lot of times they'll come back as a guide. But but animals are going through an evolvement process. You know, my husband likes to say animals are pretty much fully as as evolved as they can be, and and they're waiting for humans to finish their evolvement yes. process. <laughs> it's, it, and in a way, that's true. But for the companion animals, many of them are preparing for a, a higher octave of their beingness, just like we are taking this big step with the planet Earth and the solar system and so on. You know, we're we're all about to take this giant step into this golden age that everyone has been predicting for quite a long time and I've known about since I was in my 20s. But animals are, the animals that work with humans are also taking a step. So they are tending to, to come back faster so that they can complete certain processes and be of, in a way, more service to our evolvement. You know, people on Earth, there's a whole variety level of evolvement. Um, you know, we're like a kindergarten through postgraduate school here. Some planets are not. Some planets, everybody on the planet is in the same place. And so the the companion animals that are evolving are helping a lot of people either on the lower end where you know, even the ones that come into the places where they're being used for fighting and, and all these horrible things that people seem to be doing with animals yes. to make money or, um, you know, through the puppy farms for making money and all that. Spirit always finds a way to make opportunities for these animals to help humans, even if it's in under very, very difficult circumstances, even under abusive ones. Um, because it's always, you know, whenever a, a, a pet animal chooses to have a lifetime with, say, someone who's going to abuse them, their training is in loving and forgiveness. And sometimes because the abuse thing that goes on is so bad that the animal can't do it. But the ultimate, just like with us humans, when we're mistreated by someone else, ultimately we have to learn to forgive and learn to love unconditionally. And and so a lesson for dogs, you know, the whole thing with being loyal and faithful and everything, that's part of their path. And as they learn to be of service more and more to humans, they have a lot more opportunities to actually eventually evolve to a human form at some point. And that's not right now, but as time goes on. So it's You know, being aware of animals on every level, including those like you and me who just absolutely adore our animals and we try to do everything the very best. We spend a a chunk of money on them (laughs) and so on. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. I think I I read a statistic that that, uh, Americans spend more money on their pets than anyone else in the world. You know, it's a multi-billion dollar industry. Yeah. But, you know, these the animals that are getting to be with people who love them and pamper them, they will also have their evolving um, opportunities for growth, just like we do, but on a, on a pet level. 
and which is on a day to day basis with us humans. And it's such a huge level, right? We say a pet level, but it's like, my goodness, they took on unconditional love at a degree that I don't know that I could handle it. Yep. <laughs> I'm doing my best, but I don't know if I could do it, you know? And, and like you say, these, I think we've all seen the neighbor or the friend or the family member or just somebody down the street that doesn't treat their animal as well as we'd like. And, and that's a really hard thing for us to witness. And, and oftentimes there's not a lot we can do for that animal unless it's such clear abuse that the law protects us being able to do something and report it and get the animal some help. But exactly. Yeah. It's hard to watch. It is hard to watch, but you know, it's just like us. Um, there's a, there's human beings that are in situations on earth and we all know about it where they're being abused by their governments and so on. And, you know, um, when do we step in and when do we just see that this is part of their growth? It's not about not doing anything. Cause if, if you are pulled as a soul to do, to help someone or a, an animal, you must do that. Yes. You must do what your soul is telling you to do. But on the other hand, we all have been through the phases of growth that other people are going through, kind of our younger brothers and sisters as humans mm -hmm. on earth. Not that we're any better than them, but, you know, we've all been there, done that. And part of the job of those of us who are more on the teaching end of spirituality and, uh, and awakening, it's our job to help other people be awake about this or, or wait to help wake them up so that this stuff can stop. And in a way, our generation, I'm not sure if you're in my generation or not, but, um, close enough. <laughs> yeah, our generation was all about, you know, let's just stop this silliness and be nice to one another. And as we got older, you know, we got kind of sucked into the system and, and, um, we became the consumers and all kinds of other negative labels people have put on us. But um, in our in our generation, our heart and soul was about big political changes and so on. And we're we're still trying to influence that, even if the the politicians of our generation aren't doing such a great job. <laughs> but you know, kind of bringing it back to the animals, animals have their own path. You know, yes. each of our animal souls have their own path. And how I see this starts is an, there's an oversoul for all animals, and then there's an oversoul for each variety of animals. So let's say, let's use the example of wolves out there in the wild. So there's a, an oversoul of wolves, and while they're in the wild, they will take back their lifetime information and merge it with the greater wolf um, oversoul, if you will. It's when they start to touch in with humans or other situations which will awaken them beyond just their instinctual animalistic behaviors and they start to come out of the forest where they start the process of individualization, which we humans have already been through many millions of years ago, and start to be much more individuals. And in these modern times, there's more and more of these animals who are more individualized as their animal selves. And so when they go over to the other side, they don't merge back with that wolf oversoul. They start to go, I, I call it instead of going over the rainbow bridge, which I think is adorable, but I see it as the, do the place where dogs go or the place where cats go who are evolving souls. And they usually work with uh, human souls that are on the other side doing as much work with them over there as we do with them here. And I've been actually shown this a number of times in dreams. Wow, that's a different concept. So they're working on the soul side as well as on the incarnation side. That's right. When um, Shanti's second incarnation, Aiko, passed away suddenly, um, I was fraught with grief and, and sadness because she died um, when we were traveling. And even though I had been shown over and over again something was up, and I even called the kennel that she was staying at saying, is she all right? And uh, they're like, yeah, she's fine. She did this kind of strange thing. She gave everybody a kiss, which she never did because she was Nikita. Um, but she, when she passed over, uh, I was obsessed with, did she suffer? And uh, what did she die from? Because I never got a necrotopsy, which is like a, an autopsy for a dog. Oh, right. Um, I never found out what she died from. And so I was shown first in uh, the first dream I had about her, was I was in this place, it was kind of a heavenly place, um, 
that was, you know, boxwood. It's it's these uh, uh, plants that are between houses that they trim. Yes. It, yeah, it was real high boxwood plant around me with an opening, and I was sitting on a bench, and a monk walks in with Eiko off-leash. She never was off-leash. I could not trust her off-leash, but in this dream, she was off-leash. And the monk was, um, I could tell right away, was a monk of New Skeet. I had, tra- I had trained her on the Monks of New Skeet dog training book. <laughs> and I, I was delighted that she was with the Passover monks, because that's what they do. They raise German shepherds in, in the body. You know, the monks, they still do it in New York. Um, raising these dogs. So th- this monk brought her to me and she was a, a transparent version of herself and her heart was this blazing white that that had rays going out of her body out into infinity and she was in kind of a bliss state. So that was the first time I was able to really see and know for sure because I trust my dreams. They tell me the truth all the time. Yes. Um, that Animals like her who are evolving souls or, and are on a special mission are working with humans on the other side. So like your cat Loki, when she's not with you uh, here in the physical, you're probably with her on, when you're going to sleep at night, working with her, continuing to work with her and her other caretakers on the other side. Oh, that's such a beautiful vision. Thank you for that. I love that. So I'm curious, what do you sense is the ongoing work that you have with this soon-to-be Danny boy soul? (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, I just take it day by day on this because, you know, I work with my husband. We have these three businesses, all spiritual businesses, where we are teaching people how to enhance their psychic abilities um, and wake up and, and start to integrate the, the waking up process. And if anyone's interested in learning more about our actual people work, um, our website is michaeltamora.com. But um, with the dog thing, you know, I, it's been a project of my heart ever since Iko, before Iko died, when I realized she was the reincarnation of Raya. I wanted to do this before Shanti, she even came in as Shanti. So it's been a story I've carried in my heart for 15 years. And one of the, the turns that happened in Iko's lifetime was that she show, that I was able to see our coming together happened in ancient Egypt. And that's going to be a very big part of the book, is the story of, of how we came together as souls and how she came out of the, basically out of the forest. And she wasn't a, a, a dog. She was actually a jackal, which is related to dog. And if you look at a picture of a a jackal, they kind of look like a combination of a dog, a coyote, and a fox. They're, they're a scavenger animal. And, um, how the, and she was male in that lifetime. She was captured by a spiritual teacher who, who used the dog to show the student and give the student an initiation in, in the fact that all, all beings have spirit including animals. And it was part of the student's test. And that student was me. And the teacher was Michael. Oh, wow. That's so yeah. fun. Well, here's the thing that it, I found this out when Michael was giving a little workshop on the Akashic Records, and he was guiding us through this. And I saw this and I told him about it afterwards. It was one of the few workshops I could actually sit and do the work because a lot of times I'm cooking and running things and all that. But it was a little workshop we gave out of our house in Colorado. And a couple days later, I went to a um, Whole Life Expo that was one of the few that ever happened in Denver. And I'm walking around and some lady comes running out of a booth, grabs me by the arm, pulls me in and she said, my guides tell me I have to give you a reading. No charge. <laughs> Sit down. <laughs> so I said, all right. And then she goes on to read this whole thing about Iko and, and our past life together in Egypt, just exactly the way I saw it oh, in that workshop neat. just days before. And she said, you're going to write a book about this, and it's going to be a bestseller. And I'm thinking, well, it's 15 years now, and she had another incarnation. I hope that's still correct, because I am now actively writing the book and working with a ed- wonderful editorial person on writing it. So what do you hope 
the reader will walk away with when your book it comes together just as you envision it? What do you mm -hmm. hope is our biggest takeaway? Um, that's a good question. Um, a couple of things. One is that the soul of their animal is safe, whether they're with you or out in the heavenly planes, mm. that the dog souls are evolving just like you, and they sometimes come back. They oftentimes come back to us over and over again, and most of, most of the time people don't know. And also that the dog souls are at different levels of evolvement. So just because they read the book doesn't mean, you know, they should go up to every dog they cross, you know, they come across <laughs> on the street and stick their hand out to them because some right. dogs are not safe to do that with. Yes. You know, um, it's being able to touch in with the animal souls, even the touchy ones, even the wild ones. Uh, you know, being able to get in touch with those wild animals in those years we were living in Mount Shasta was a big, big deal for me, city girl. Yeah. <laughs> the city girl. And um, uh, there are times when I would go out and I would feel we also had black bears and I would feel them around and only occasionally did they show themselves. And it was so magnificent when they did because the timing would always be, I would be either in my car or in my house. So um, it was never an unsafe situation. Oh, one time it was on the street, but it was a young one and, and I wasn't afraid of him. He was big, but um, I just sent a hello from my heart to his and just said, you know, I'm going to keep my distance from you because it wanted to be friendly. Mm -hmm. And w with wild animals, you don't want to do that. Yeah. Um, or else they, they will, you know, not get away from humans. They need to be able to live in the woods properly as bears. Yes. Thank you for saying that. That's so important. Yes. So, and then of course we had the deer and, and Michael has a special affinity. My husband has a special affinity for the deer and the mamas would bring the babies just to show him, here's oh. our baby, here's my babies. And he has one wonderful story where um, this mama brought the two babies, which were both males. Uh, actually there were three triplets, two males and a female. And after a time, uh, the mom didn't show up. It was just the three of them. And then the female kind of disappeared. So either she had gone off to find her own territory or she had got, been gotten by a mountain lion because deer are mountain lion food. Well, the the boys came and you you were able to see the, the little horns starting to grow and everything. And then he didn't see them for a really long time. But they would always visit him at the back, towards the back of our house where Michael sat on the deck to do his meditations. They would always come back there and say hello and, and eat our grass. And then he said, I didn't see them for a while. And there was a morning he was taking a walk and he was almost home. And he said he heard this rattling in the, in the bushes. And he said, all of a sudden, these two completely full-grown deer with a full rack on oh. their heads you know, that were the grown-up, the grown-ups of these two boys. And they both jumped right over him. Wow. And he said that was the last he ever saw of them. He, they, they jumped all the way across the street, and the street was not a narrow street. It was a very wide, you know, for a country road anyway, pretty wide, but they jumped right over his head, and he said he felt like it was their thank you and goodbye, and he never saw them again. Oh, after. wow. That's yeah. so beautiful. I think our connection with the whole animal kingdom is a beautiful one. And it's it, like the rest of our experience. It's for us to awaken to greater and greater heights with that. Because the more yes. I connect in with the bird, I've watched birds for years and was a birder and before I was even oh. awake. But now it's like, oh my gosh, my connection to the birds is amazing. And, and they'll come over closer to the windows and they'll kind of dance and preen. And, and I know we're having a conversation. I can't tell you exactly exactly what we're saying, but it's just love, you know, and it's fun. Well, that's what it is, whatever yeah. you intuit. <laughs> that is so great. Well, you know, I love the birds too, and they can also serve the wild ones as well as the ones that come to live with us. They they serve a little bit of a different purpose. In my uh, experience, the birds would come to befriend my dog, Aiko. Aiko ended up living a very limited life because she was a little bit of a dangerous dog when I got her. She was a, had been bred in a backyard and, and, uh, the stock of Akita, the line is, um, they're 
they were dog fighting dogs for 500 years. They used to be a royal dog of Japan. And then they, they uh, you know, dog genes are pretty manipulable. Mm-hmm. I didn't say that right, but <laughs> they can be manipulated pretty easily. And um, if you do generation after generation of a certain types of behaviors with dogs, it starts to go into their genetics. Right. And so um, they're still trying to work out the dog fighting gene of the Akita. So um, from the time she was a very young puppy, about four months, I realized it wasn't going to be safe to let people pet her or to let her ever, ever off leash. So I was a very responsible dog owner uh, with her, but it gave her a very limited life, but it gave her a life experience that was like none other, where she was able to see that um, as a soul, she wasn't quite ready to have that much power. And the interesting thing about the Akita dog is I believe from from my observation of living with one for eight years is that they still have a lot of the wild animal in them, yes. a, a little bit of the wolf in them, which is more stubborn. That's why they're harder to train. Um, the Japanese people use the Akita for their police dogs because they, they're very fierce. Um, but when a person owns one of these dogs, you have to be very responsible. Like, like you know, people, the horrible reputation that pit bulls have, if you raise them right, they're, they're not bad dogs. Right. But they have the tendency to have problems. And the same goes with um, Akita dogs. And so I had to really limit her, um, let's say, freedoms in order for her to be able to have a full life, including not not running in a yard or because I even worried about her digging under a fence and getting out. So I, I built her a huge kennel with a cement bottom and the whole thing. So she couldn't. So, um, but that was a lifetime of huge growth for her. And how did the birds help with that? Oh yeah. The birds. I I got way off (laughs) subject here. Thank you very much. She, in, in the first home we had, cause we lived in two different places. Um, we first lived in Elk Grove, which is south of Sacramento. She made friends with this mockingbird <laughs> that the way we knew it was in the neighborhood is it did the viper alarm. Do you remember the viper alarm? Yes. <laughs> you know, and it did the whole thing. You know, it's got two rounds. They're amazing at mimicry, aren't they? They are. But this bird loved Ico. And it would hang out at the top of her. She had a little six by 12 kennel in that yard. Um, and she would hang out at, or he would hang out at the top of her kennel or in a tree nearby and they'd talk to each other. And when Iko and I walked, that bird would hop from house to house to house with us. <laughs> so it walked with us. And then at one point we didn't see it anymore. And I was kind of wondering, where did that bird go? And we decided to take a different route, the route we never took before in a different neighborhood. And we're walking along and I hear the viper alarm in a tree. <laughs> and he hops out of the tree and starts to get all happy and shows us that he has a wife and kids. Oh. And yeah, he had found a mate and, and they they um, set up their nest outside of our neighborhood. But we found him. And then when uh, we moved to Colorado... And she had that much larger kennel. There was a, a bird, a meadowlark, which are, they're beautiful singers, but yes. they're terrible. They're terrible at flying. They're, they don't fly very well. They're ground birds more than anything. But this meadowlark would fly up to the second story window and kind of flap its wings. And I thought, oh, this meadowlark likes me, you know. <laughs> but it would always do it in the morning. And I would go down and get Iko out of her kennel in the in the lower floor because I didn't trust her around our cat. So she had to s- sleep confined as well. And I would take her out. And that meadowlark was actually, after about the third time, I realized the meadowlark was wanting me to get up so that I could bring Iko outside and they could commune together. Oh, that's so special. It is. And... Same thing as the other bird. When we took walks, it would hop along the ground right with us. It was the wildest thing. That is so unexpected. I mean, I know that I I trust that there are relationships between different species of of a nature that we may or may not understand or notice, but that just Uh really seems like a most unexpected one. It was, and and, uh, I think it's a gift the spirit gave her since she was 
living such a confined life. Right. And, um, you know, I felt kind of bad about that, but I felt like at least I was able to give her a life where she's not going to be put down for biting someone or something like that. Yes. We've touched on so much about animal communication and it's lovely. I can't wait until the book comes out and we can read all the wonderful adventures that you've had with this being throughout incarnations and those that are still to come. Thank you. Thank so you very much. You have animals now as well? Yes, we have two uh, cats. They are Tonkinese in breed, which is half Siamese and half Burmese. They are Merlin and Mystic. They are brother and sister from the same litter. And um, actually, they figure in the story as well because uh, we had a cat named Magic for 17 years, and she spanned Iko's Iko's entire lifetime because we got Magic just before we got Iko. And then Iko passed and then there was a period of time without a dog. And then Shanti came in and she was, I think she was with us until Shanti was about seven years old or eight. And so when she died, she came to me numerous times saying, I'm not ready to come back. I'm not ready to come back. I'm ready to come back and I'm bringing a friend. <laughs> and the the friend was a cat that we actually got for her after Iko died and she was grieving, but she hated this cat and I had to pass. I, I had to pass them on to someone else. And so a, a little, um, let's say, lesson about karma. And, you know, when you what you do in one lifetime, you know, you have to make amends for in another lifetime. And so she came back, Magic came back as, Magic was a tuxedo cat, a black and white. She came back as Mystic, who is soft and sweet and still pretty fierce, but very, very different than the uh, feral cat that was Magic. And then um, Simon, who was a big 16-pound tuxedo cat uh, before, is her brother. And he's a bit bigger than her, but he's not a giant cat or anything like that. And they are still working out that thing of, you know, I don't know if I want you here, says the female cat, says Magic's incarnation, reincarnation. Yeah. But they cuddle and love and play and, and argue sometimes. And they are working their stuff out. So um, if Danny Boy shows up while they're still alive, which I hope he does, um, then there will be that spanning between Shanti and because they were born and came into the family when Shanti was 10. And Shanti lived to be almost 15 years, so, so she was with them. And the story of their relationship is very fun, too, between the cats and the dog. They loved her, and they loved each other, and they both picked up characteristics of the dog. And um, when Shanti passed away, uh, Mystic, who is Magic's reincarnation, um, actually developed a heart problem for a while. And, uh, but after a year, we were able to uh, get that settled out. She was okay. And, you know, lots of cool things like that. I love that you brought up the karma situation because, you know, we don't think about that, that yes, these animals are working out karma too. Loki had a sister who was the runt of the litter and he bullied her most of her life. And they, they started out when she was little, it was a very loving relationship. And then it became very antagonistic between them. But yet you could catch them in these rare moments of affection with one another. And then they would go right back to just this brutal <laughs> brother, sister thing. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes, they are. And their lessons become much more advanced. You know, our two cats, uh, Magic was an outdoor cat, and these two cats are indoor because they're they're small and they were born in a house and raised in a house before I got them. So they were not savvy to the wild animal issue. And they're small cats, so they could be easily picked up by a carrion bird. Um, but when we had Magic in Colorado, um, at, when we first lived there, we had a hawk show up who talked to us for 45 minutes. And as it turned out later, there was a whole Native American uh, uh, citadel right next to our property, which we knew was there. But it it was actually um, verified after they started uh, building on that property next door to us. But this hawk shows up and was telling us all about the area and, and about the sort of the native energy, the, the original people that were there because the houses out there were all new. And he, at the end of his squawk, 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 talking to us 45 minutes, he threw the picture to me. Is there anything you want from me? This hawk asked us. Wow. 
And I said out loud, yes, we have this little black and white cat. Please tell all your friends it's not their food. She is our (laughs) friend and our pet. And the Carrions never bothered Magic. And she was outside pretty much all day during the daytime. So, you know, that was pretty special. And also, when Magic was with us, she actually befriended a rabbit. And that's quite a good story that's going to be in the book as well. And you brought up something really cool there about the communicating with the wildlife there about sparing your pet, because I I don't know what happened to little girl, but I think that something did get her because we waited for a while and then Loki let me know there's no need to wait anymore. He just stopped looking at the back door and I was like, okay, she's gone. And I didn't have the sense that she went to another home. I had a sense something happened to her. It never occurred to me. And I sit here and talk about how we can be telepathic with all of life that I could actually take care of her in that way and communicate with the wildlife around there. Yes, but also don't feel bad when that happens because animals innately know when their passing over time is coming and, you know, they have to sacrifice themselves to one another for for sustenance and life um, until the energy of this planet changes and we don't have to eat each other. (laughs) Yes. So, but, you know, this is lesson learned. You can use that for when she comes back to you. Oh, that's lovely. Thank you. Raphael, I could talk to you all day. This is so enlightening and it's wonderful and I can't wait to read your book. And But I'm afraid we've probably reached the end of our time for today. So I'll ask you what I like to ask all of our guests. If, if you have a parting thought that you'd like to leave the listener with today. Yes, love your animals and know that they are part of your own awakening process since we talked about animals today. And you have so much more than just animals to offer. So again, I would guide the listeners to michaeltamura.com. Get to know Raphael and Michael. They have so much wisdom to share and do so with a joyful, loving heart, which is refreshing. I believe that is symbolic of where we are heading. It is about the joy. Yes, it is. Thank you so much. And thank you for joining us for today's show. Let us know what you thought. Info at journeyofpossibilities.com. And remember to support our work because it does it does take time and money to do this show. So we welcome your contributions at journeyofpossibilities.com slash support. And we'll see you next week on Exploring Possibilities. <music>